Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Stay Paid. My name is Sefton Eisenhart, and with me as always is company president Luke Acree. Unfortunately, the VP of marketing, Joshua Stike, is closing on a new lovely home, so he's, we don't have our <laughs> you third You made that sound here. super gloomy. It was like, unfortunately, yeah, well, it's sad. we've lost Josh Stike. <laughs> yes, yes. He's, he's doing bigger and better things today, but we miss him. We miss his insight. But last week, we were talking about how to speak to a lead on the phone and how to bring them through the funnel. But when we listened back to that episode, we realized we did a great job talking about the beginning stages of that phone call. But now in this episode, we want to drill down on the most important part of the entire phone call, and that is the close. Yes. Uh, so, you know, obviously you guys know this is my passion is doing phone sales and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I went to a networking event just yesterday. I had this privilege to go to a networking event. It was all the, you know, best business leaders around Philadelphia. And we were able to hear a guy speak who's started 12 companies and, and has sold, you know, his first company sold for, I think, hundreds of millions of dollars. And he was sharing with us, like, the principles of success of building a business and building a company. And there's one thing he said that really struck, well, there was multiple things he said that struck me. But one thing really struck me that I think is correlated to closing and I think it's correlated to sales is he talked about he had started his first company and it you know sold and was a huge success and then his next company actually was a failure and went through bankruptcy and when he looked back you know, now that he's aged and years have gone by and he can actually look back and reflect in hindsight, he said that one of the main differences was that the people in the first company, they were different than the people in the second. And the way they were different is they knew their purpose and they knew what they were trying to get done. And they it was not about just like money or reward. It was about almost like a greater meaning, as corny as that sounds. But he said this statement that stuck with me, which is when you find people who understand what they do and can and can speak with clarity about it, can speak with authority on it, and then ultimately... When you speak with clarity in authority, then if you add in authenticity, he said, that's when you have like a magic combination. So you speak with clarity, you speak with authority, and then you have the authenticity. That's like a magical combination. And when that spoke to me, it's just when I'm hearing it, it translates so well to when you're doing your sales pitch. Your sales pitch, you need to be absolutely clear on the value you're representing and then you need to speak with authority because if you don't have that confidence and don't speak with authority on the subject matter that you're presenting, then people won't trust you. And obviously, if they don't trust you, they don't buy from you. And then ultimately, then at the end, you have to be authentic. No one likes the slimy car salesman. And I shouldn't use car salesman as the example. No one likes a slimy salesman. No one likes a slimy person. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, you speak with authenticity and it builds that trust and that likability. So that's just a huge... I guess, statement and a power statement that affected me that I need to be super clear in my pitch, speak with authority, and have authenticity. So when we talk about kind of the role-playing that we did, right, last time, I guess I role-played it with Josh, Yeah, um, went through, and you know we focused kind of on the intro a lot and got to the discovery phase, but we really didn't talk about the close um, and I guess some tactics or what I was doing on the close. And so just to reiterate for you guys what happened, if you haven't heard the podcast, we got a Zillow lead. I called it and pretended like I was calling it within five minutes because that's what you should do. 
Then from there, what I did was I introduced myself with the logic and made the point on the last podcast that you don't want to ignore their question, whether it's seeing the property, data on the property, whatever it is. Then I immediately turned around and went into my discovery phase, started finding out what are they looking for, what their pain points are. After I did my discovery phase and found all that out, I went into my value proposition. So my value proposition is where I'm pitching for for a realtor, which was the example. I'm really pitching myself, my unique value proposition, what I bring to the table versus all the other realtors that are out there. And then, you know, me as a person in my track record, because I don't have a product. So if you are a product-based company listening to this, in your value proposition, you're obviously going to share your features and the benefits that are unique with your product versus every other product that's out there. But then what I did talking about the close is I basically went to the assumptive close. So the assumptive close, guys, for those who don't know, is just that. It's basically assuming that the person has bought from you. So you're going in with such confidence after you give your value proposition. You know, what I did was immediately turn and say, so let's do this. I didn't say, what do you think about this? I didn't say, you know, so how are you feeling now? I didn't stop. I just assumed that that person was going to buy what I was offering. And then what I added in was a different technique was called, it's called, some people call it like the alternative clothes. So it's like the red shirt, blue shirt, right? Or do you want a medium drink or a large drink? They're not asking you, do you want a drink? They're yeah. just asking you what size, right? So they're assuming, so they're doing the assumptive clothes, but then they're also adding in the kind of the alternative method where they're just not going, like a straight up assumptive clothes might be, you know, it was great talking to you, Sefton. I'll see you Saturday at 10, right? So I'm just assuming Saturday at 10, boom, it's all in something. An alternative close is I'm kind of giving you some options to make you feel, I guess, less pressure and to make you feel like you're making a decision, even though I'm making it for you. But you don't allow them. You do not give them the choice to not take the appointment, to not make it. Correct. I'm not giving them the option. So I'm doing the alternative close at that point. Now, what I would explain to you guys is that when you do an alternative close like I did, and I can't remember the days that I said, but let's just say it was Monday at 3 p.m. and Thursday at 2, right? Yeah. So I'm saying, hey, what's the best time that would work for you to see the property? Monday at 3 p.m. or Thursday at 2? A point I always give my sales team is this method or tactic, as you would call it, is being used all the time. Like every call you get in sales, when they you know, are trying, especially appointments that are sales, what are they doing to you? They're saying, do you want Monday at 10 or Tuesday at 2? Which works better for you? The, I guess, consumer is now more educated and they know what you're doing. And so what I've added on to the alternative close is you should give a brief explanation logically of why. Because if you say, hey, Monday at 3 or Thursday at 2, people are going to feel those are just random dates and you're doing what they know you're doing, even though they're not going to call it the alternative close. They kind of sense what you're yeah, doing. People I don't know if you feel full, that way because you're yeah, a if somebody, if somebody were to do that to me, I would easily be able to see through the facade but now, granted, I have a little bit of sales you expertise. Yes. <laughs> but at the same time, it is a difficult thing to pull off. It's not as simple as giving them the alternative close, and then they obviously pick Correct. two dates. If it was that easy. So my method is, is that use the alternative close. But remember what I said in the last podcast, that people buy, or, or sorry, they are convinced on logic, but they buy on emotion. So when you give the alternative close of Monday at 3 or Thursday at 2, right, 
then come behind with some logic. Let them answer, but immediately come behind with some logic. The reason why I gave those dates is X, Y, Z. And what I used in this example is I referred back to what I did in my intro, which is in my intro, I don't have any pain point to reference. So if you're a company and you're selling a product, maybe you can reference the pain that you know the company you're selling to is going through, or you can reference competition, which is a pain point, right? Because everybody wants to beat their competition. I don't have this as a real estate agent calling a Zillow lead. I don't have the pain in my intro yet. So what I did was I used, instead of pain, I used urgency, if you remember. I said, you know, you have a great eye. So I, I started the conversation with that flattery. And then I went, because this home is getting a ton of interest, right? So now in my alternative close, when I do Monday at two or Thursday at three, I can come back to that seed that I planted way back in the intro that goes, hey, I planted the seed of urgency and I'm going to now refer to it again because I still am not convinced in my heart of hearts as a salesman that you are not turning me down or when you turn me down to Monday at two or Thursday at three that you don't want to see the property. I'm still not totally convinced that you really don't want to see that property. What I believe in my mind that's happening is that it's just an inconvenience to have to go see that property. So I want to dig in some pain point to just make it go, you know what, The, the fear of loss of missing out on this property overcomes my inconvenience. So I'm going to go back and say, the reason why I said Monday at 2 or Thursday at 3, or Monday at 3, Thursday at 2, whatever it was, the reason why I said that is because, like I mentioned in the beginning, it's just this property, you have a great eye, this property is getting so much interest, our phone is ringing off the hook, and even if you don't want to buy it, see, I'm relieving the pressure. Yeah. So I'm not saying, hey, I'm forcing you to see this so you buy it. No, no, even if you don't buy it, I want to get you out there so you can see the property, and that way you get, it's almost like, a, view it as education. You get to see what $250,000 will buy for you in the King of Prussia area, and you get to see and make a determination of, hey, were you off on the criteria that you wanted? And at the very least, it helps us refine for you the search that we're doing to get you the property of your dreams. So I'm logically convincing them, but at the same time, I'm emotionally almost like peppering in, hey, there's urgency here. This this thing's going to go away. And it's almost like, uh, I forget what that close is called. I have wrote it down. I'll see if I can find it. But it's basically like the fear of loss close, I guess you would maybe call it, is that, um, hey, if you don't do this, the fear of loss, what, what you're going to lose by not doing this is not worth it. And here's something, a principle I would give people on closing, Right is when someone doesn't buy from you, the only reason they're not buying from you, whether it's setting up an appointment with you and that's the close, it's getting an actual credit card and that's the close, whatever it is, right? That that's the exchange of that currency in that time. The only reason they don't buy from you is because the value that has been presented has not outweighed the fear of loss or inconvenience of time in their mind. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you? Yeah, and it, it's kind of one and the same thing. The fear of loss and the inconvenience is kind of the same thing. They just don't want to lose their time. Correct, because ultimately time is money. Yeah. So sorry, I had to take a swig of my water there. But my point being that I'm trying to make to you as a salesperson, as a business owner that's listening to this, is that don't think for a second that the reason why someone doesn't buy from you is because maybe or maybe that your product doesn't have XY feature or the price is too high to your competition. That's not the reason. 
That can play into it in the pitch, but it's not the reason. The reason is because that fear, that the value that's been presented does not outweigh that fear of loss and that inconvenience of time. And I always give the example of the lottery. People throw their money away every single day. Millions upon millions of dollars, right? $3 here, $5 here. And they are not scared of losing that money. They're getting closed by the lottery, by a lottery machine every single day. Why? Because the greatness that comes, the value that's presented of a $450 million, didn't that kid in Florida win $451 million or something like that? I don't that? want to think about uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> he was a 20-year-old kid, by the way. But $451 million jackpot, that value that's presented totally outweighs the risk of losing $5, right? Yeah. And even think about it this way. Why do you play the lottery? Have you ever played it yourself? Yeah, I play the lottery okay. sometimes. But why? But not. Why do you personally play the lottery, Seth? Well, because the notion of winning that money and having that life-changing hey, event is worth for. the $3. The dream, almost. And the, the FOMO dream. is what, that's the thing, that's the fear it, of missing out. The, you think to yourself yes. when you're at that lottery machine and your friend's buying a lottery ticket, you think to yourself, why not? Yes. Because I the, the thought of my not winning it So you got the fear of loss clothes in yes. there? And you also got the even the value of that dream. The reason why I play when it gets up to like 300 and plus million is because even just the, the value of the time I get to daydream about it that night is worth almost that three dollars. It's, it's a the psychological crazy, thing. It's the craziest yeah. thing. So back to how why am I rambling about this? Why am I talking about this when it comes to closing? Guys, that is a perfect analogy, example, correlation, however you want to phrase it to actually why someone will buy from you or not buy from you. And so when I went for the close, I'm presenting to them that assumptive close, alternative close, and fear of loss close, all in the same sentences that I just did on the close, saying, hey, what works better for you? I want to get you out to the property this date or this date. The reason why I said that is because, you know, this property, we're getting tons of interest. It will probably go off the market really soon, right? So I'm getting that fear of loss in there. I'm creating that urgency. And then what I'm waiting to hear is the objection. So first number one rule in sales when it comes to closing is you will always get an objection. And if you don't prepare yourself, if you go in and assume the close and expect them to buy on the first time, you're a fool. Now, it happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen to me. It happens to me. I've had people buy on the first one, and I'm just like, oh, man, this is a miracle. Yeah. But people usually do not buy on the first time you ask them for the order. They usually do not buy. Here at our own company, now we do phone sales. We're doing 150 to 200 calls a day. We're calling small businesses all across the nation. It takes us three to five times asking for the order to get someone to buy. And so just give you an example. Now, your business is maybe a little different than ours, but just giving you an example of our business is it takes us asking for the order three to five times on the phone to that person just because we know when I first ask you for your time and your money, What's the first thing people do? No, 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 no. Uh, it's like you're my, reaching in their wallet yeah, right there. Protect yeah. my time, protect my money. And at that point, they're in defense mode and they're trying to, they go, I got to do anything I can to protect my money and protect my time. They're not thinking of the value you presented or anything like that. They're literally going to defense mode. What you need to do in the close is stay in agreement. You should really be staying in agreement throughout the whole pitch is the point I think I made last time, which is true. But especially in the close, we have this objection process that we do here, which is acknowledge it, isolate it, overcome. And so what we do is that acknowledgement is staying in agreement. I hear you. No worries. So if someone you know, were to say, I need to talk to my wife, it would be, hey, look, totally understand. Build camaraderie. 
I have a wife myself. You want to acknowledge it, stay in that agreement, build that camaraderie, and recognize what he's saying. I have a wife myself. Wouldn't want you sleeping on the couch, if you know what I mean, meaning make a joke of it, build that camaraderie, and stay in agreement. Then you can move to this isolation phase. And with the isolation phase, what you're really getting back to is you're trying to get back to, is this a true objection? Is this a true objection or is it an excuse? Meaning, is this the reason, the one reason you won't sign up for me? Or is it the reason you're giving me so you can have more time to make sure you're making the good decision because you're too scared to step out in a leap of faith based upon the value that I've presented to you? And so at that point, you want to just stay, acknowledge it and move down that chain to totally, I guess, understand and ask them a posing question. Go back to your discovery phase. So if it's the wife issue, hey, look, totally understand. Let me ask you this, Sefton, is it just talking to your wife? Is that the only thing holding you back from seeing a property? Right. Move past the excuse and get to the reason. Correct. Because the wife is the excuse, the partner is the excuse. Get to the reason so you can start to break it down. Dude, that's, yeah, you're saying it better than I'm saying it. Yes. The wife is an excuse. The reason is that the fear of making the wrong decision in upsetting his wife, right? And this is a <laughs> interesting topic, but upsetting his wife is greater to him in his mind than buying my product or seeing my property or whatever it is. And also in this particular pitch that we're talking about, we're not we're not even getting to a sale. We're talking Correct. about simply we're getting an, an appointment. appointment. So that's only the first step in the entire process is you're just trying to get them face to face so you can move them along. But getting the appointment in much the same way we have to get we have to contact people five times to get a sale. You're still going to have to have the appointment with the person. You're still going to have to get them to sign on. And then after all that's accomplished, you can maybe sell something Correct. To them and maybe get paid. Yeah. And then what I always say with objections is when you go to overcome in, in true sales, what you're trying to do is solve someone's pain point. If, you, if you're trying to get an order, you won't sell. The, tr- the greatest salespeople, everybody gets into sales because they want to make money, right? So everybody, that's a reward that we all get into sales in hopes of doing. When you really can make the transition and where you'll become the number one closer is when you start selling because you're solving the pain points of other people. And what I would say is you're ultimately helping other people make money. And that's what harkens back to what you talked about in the beginning, which is speaking with authenticity, speaking with confidence. When you yep. get to that point where instead of selling something because you want to make a sale, but because you're actually solving somebody's pain point, talk about a way to 10x your business because you're just going to be so smooth, so slick, so confident. Those are the best salesmen. The best salesmen are the ones, and those are the ones that can speak with convic- conviction. And what some people would say is aggressive sales or hard sales or something like that. No, no, no. It's passionate sales. It's sales with conviction that says, hey, I know I can do this X, Y, Z, whatever it is, better than anybody else. And I just want to earn that opportunity. And you're speaking with that passion and conviction, which allows you to press through. But when you're going through this process of, you know, acknowledge, isolate, overcome, right? When you get to the overcome and a lot of your sales and in like this example of the role play we did, we're walking down a pathway because our ultimate goal is I actually don't care if they go see 1100 First Avenue. What do I want? What I ultimately want is the opportunity to be their realtor. I want to take the lead from being online to offline to where it's Luke and Josh, not Josh and Zillow and every other agent that's out there, right? So what I did was go down this train of going, hey, no worries, stay in agreement, totally understand what you're going through. Then I went down to going, hey, let me then do this. Let me close you, assume, you know, the close again, that I want to meet with you 
Because why? I gave logic again in that close. Because remember, everybody's convinced on logic. So if you feel like you're losing somebody, you want to hit them with something that's logical, that reminds them of, yeah, logically this makes sense. Bring them and, back into emotional and, engagement with a piece of logic. Yeah, and basically. then go the emotional route, which where what I did was just assume, hey, I want to meet with you. I lowered the pressure again because I'm coming back again for a second objection, right, or a second close, I should say. So whenever you come back for a second or third, fourth, fifth close, whatever it is, you're going to have the, the, I guess, fear in that person's mind. The wall that's built up in that person's mind is so big right now because they're just, oh, I know what this person's doing. So you got to bring that down and say, hey, no worries. Don't want you to feel any pressure. Tell them what they're feeling. I know you're feeling pressure right now. I don't want you to feel it. So bring that wall down. Hey, don't feel any pressure. Let's do this. And I moved right into my next close, which is, hey, I want to get you in my office. And then I backed it up with logic. So just like my alternative close of the dates, right? I backed it up with logic. With this getting in the office, I backed it up with logic, which was for a realtor, I have access to a system that you don't have access to. And I can provide for you a value that you don't get. Basically, would you want something like that? They're all going to say yes, because they want where they, the logic came in when they requested this lead is they wanted information on that property. So they want that type of stuff. So I'm providing them what they want. And then I go right back into the assumptive close, which is, hey, what dates work better for you using the alternative method? And at that point, got the date from Josh. I will tell you guys that uh, most of the time, you're not going to get the date. <laughs> Just with any lead, it might take you multiple follow-up calls. So I don't want to paint a picture that every time, if you use a script or use a process like this, you're going to get the date. But the idea here is that what you're doing is you're narrowing, you're funneling down to the true reason. And I'm going to close the podcast with this, which is really that you know when you are dealing with the close and you're dealing with the objections, the thing to keep in mind is you need to have a one-call close mentality It's not a reality. So barely any sale is done on the first call. But if you have a one-call close mentality, what I mean by that is that you are pushing through excuses to get to what Sefton said is the reason. And ultimately, the reason is always inconvenience of time, not wanting to spend their time, which time equals money, not wanting to spend their money, right? So you need to push through those barriers and that one call close mentality where if Josh turned me down on that MLS system and coming to the office to get it, then I would dive even deeper and get more real with Josh and just say, you know, hey, I want to make sure I truly understand what you're looking for because my ultimate goal, whether you buy today or buy five years from now, my intention, remember I talked about stating your intention, my intention is I want to be your realtor because I know I can do an unbelievable job and I know when you look into me and my track record and what I bring to the table, you're going to see the same thing. So speaking with confidence, I would just be super direct with him at that point and go, Josh, when can I earn the opportunity to be your realtor? Um, obviously, you're going to want a realtor to sell your property. When can I earn that opportunity? What would that opportunity look like for you? And so what I'm doing there is I'm trying to cut to the core. With here in our business, what we do with our small businesses that we're calling is when they deny us, deny us, deny us, deny us, then we just say, hey, look, no problem. I'll let you go. We you know, acknowledge it. We bring down the pressure and say, hey, you mind before I let you go just sharing with my heart? sharing just everything that's in my heart with you right now. We might make something that says, hey, look, it's been a long day or something like that. But what we're trying to do is bring down their guard to say, can I be real with you? Can I be real with you that, hey, look, you got on our website. You spent more than 10 minutes looking on there. You're interested in this. 
and I don't want you to feel any pressure about it, but I'm trying to cut to the core of what is truly holding you back. What is it that's going on in your mind? And the reason why, so bring back in the logic, the reason why I'm asking is so I can best serve you and best understand. I can share with you either testimonials of people that have been in the same place as you and what we've done for them and the path that they've taken, the blueprint we've given them. So trying to really go in with this one call close mentality of what is the true issue? Because I always explain to my sales callers, why do you feel comfortable with your family? More than, say, people you just met or acquaintances, because you're real, because you're real with them, right? And, and your mom's going to tell you, hey, you look like a dork right now. You shouldn't be doing all that. All the time. And Yeah, all the time. <laughs> and the truth is, you appreciate that because you know she loves you. As a salesman, this goes back to the ultimate salesman sell to help somebody else. As a salesman, if you can get them to the point of going, hey, I'm being super direct with you right now. Because I want to help you, and I know I can help you. And just like your brother would be super direct with you, I'm trying to be super direct with you. That's the essence of the one call close mentality. There you have it, guys. 10% of the effort is going to come in the introduction, the discovery, and the value prop. And 90% of that effort, 90% of the work is going to come in the actual close. If you like Stay Paid and you listen to it on iTunes, please give us a five-star review and a positive comment. My name is Sefton Eisenhart. And I'm Luke Acre, and I'm going to close with this, guys. Take action. When you go to your close this time, using the alternative close this week, but backing it up with logic. So try that in your close, where you might be using the alternative close, but you're not coming back around to back up that alternative close with logic. So this week, when you're in your pitch, whether it's a phone call or face-to-face, try the alternative close backed up with logic. Difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer, guys? Top producers take action. 